this episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by Noble Knight, where Out of Print is available again. And listeners like you, thanks for using The Tome's Amazon and DMs Guild affiliate links and for being patrons at patreon.com slash thetomeshow. Welcome to The Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interviews show, and I'm your Tome host, Jeff Greiner. And in this episode, number 319, man, I've recorded a lot of episodes, we are going to strike out on our own, or perhaps with a stalwart, stalwart party, and we're going to talk about publishing on the DMs Guild. We have an all-star cast of folks with various levels of experience uh, publishing on the site with us today. So first up uh, is our very own Tome Show social media manager and regular contributor who has published uh, regularly with Fat Goblin Games, as well as a couple volumes of Aurora's Whole Realms catalogs. Um, I don't know what your total publication count is because most of them are listed as authored by Fat Goblin Games, but we have Ishmael Alvarez. Welcome back, sir. Hello. I'm glad to be back. Yeah. So uh, the most important question I have for you at this time, though, is how did I not know you were doing uh, Aurora's Whole Realms catalogs? Like, that was one of my favorite things from second edition. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it was a little uh, kind of uh, side project that me and a handful of friends, uh, Rodney Sloan, uh, Kim Franson, uh, got around to doing. Something we had talked about since 5th edition came out and since the DMs Guild came out. And we're like, why is nobody doing Aurora's uh, Whole Realms catalog? And I think there might be like another one out there somewhere. But mm. uh, we've been going full steam on them. We've been releasing uh, them uh, in a very peculiar order because they just come out in the wrong season. But uh, <laughs> I've been having a lot of fun writing it. Uh, a, a little secret, I've been writing it kind of in the style of uh, Mr. Peterman from... Uh, Seinfeld, oh. <laughs> when uh, Nate starts writing all of the, the crazy descriptions for the stuff in the catalog, that's kind of how I'm doing it. So is it just like the original, where it's just sort of a catalog of goods, and, and it doesn't bother with like a lot of stats and that kind of stuff? Yeah, uh, and uh, we, we do kind of move on to uh, doing like a few magical-esque items here and there. There's okay. like some armor, some weapons, but the focus is on like, these are things you would order from like a Sears catalog, right. which as you likely know, it's kind of the origin of the Aurora's Realms catalog is they were like, hey, there was this Sears catalog that had a little bit of everything. We're going to do the same thing, but in D&D, uh, which they did. Yeah, no, I love that, throwing that book at my players whenever they wanted to go shopping. Here, you want to go shopping, buy random stuff? Here's a whole catalog for you. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, so uh, the question I'm going to ask as we, as we introduce everybody, though, is uh, of all of the things that you've published, uh, which, which of the things that you've published is your favorite? At least, at least at the moment. Um, that's easy. Uh, it's not a DMs Guild product, but it's a fifth edition horror. Um, okay. And that was my baby, um, my horrid, horrid little baby. I think <laughs> I've mentioned this before on the show. But um, it is just a treatise. Uh, we've been trying to get a couple more of those out, but it's a treatise on like a genre within fifth edition. Um, and I, it, it took me quite a while to get it through, but it's... Um, a treatment of horror. It's not just like, here's some, here's some, uh, um, like movie monsters to throw at your characters. It was more like, this is how you run a horror campaign. Here's some advice on how to do it. Uh, and, um, the people who have bought it and reviewed it have been very kind to me in saying that they, they love what I did with it. And, uh, really it's the work I'm most proud of. Is this something you did on your own or with fat goblin? It was with fat goblin, but, mm -hmm. um, I, 
more or less have sole writing credit because I wrote all, uh, let me look real quick. I think it's like 196 pages of it pretty much on my own with like some 132 pages. I'm sorry, but I wrote the whole thing on my own with, uh, some help and, and kind of like, uh, taking some, a handful of things from other products. But for the most part, I did a lion's share of the work on that. Okay. Uh, excellent. And so if it's not on DMs Guild, where can people find it? Uh, drive through RPG, right. uh, drive through RPG, and you just look for fifth edition horror, and it's the first thing that comes up. Excellent. Uh, secondly, joining us for this episode is a recent guest who uh, guest hosted on Behind the DM Screen with us. It is Joshua JVC Perry, uh, coming at us all the way from the UK. Uh, a, a DM's Guild search for your name comes up with over forty items uh, published on the Guild, with a good mix of both independent work and working on a team. Uh, including uh, a product that I thought seemed particularly relevant to, to what people might be thinking about these days, that being the Faiths of Eberron book. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? Sure, yeah. Um, so that was published mostly by uh, Alex Kleppinger, who does a lot of work for DMs Guild. Um, I wrote a monk subclass for that one called The Way of the Flayed Hand. Right on. And, and with uh, the recent announcement of a hardcover Eberron book coming out, that might get some some extra attention in play. So that's that's uh, t- timely to have that around right now. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so same question to you then. Which of the products that you've worked on or published uh, at this point is, is, is your favorite right now? So I think probably at the minute my favorite would be Blood at the Auction. Um, it's a relatively recent release, and it's sort of a murder mystery adventure. Um, and because of that kind of murder mystery style, I had to really stop and think about how to present the information and also how to have it actually use fifth edition mechanics and not just be kind of a murder mystery, sit around the dinner table type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Excellent. And that was, it was quite a challenge, but I think I, I think I managed to pull it off. Very good. Very good. I'm, I'm noticing this sort of, uh, her- horrific, uh, scare everybody theme going on so far amongst <laughs> our guests. So, uh. Maybe the, the publishers, uh, the writers over there at DMs Guild like to, to scare people. Maybe. Uh, There's enough goof mixed in with it, I think, to, okay. to bounce it out. <laughs> well, uh, let's see how well we do then going on to uh, our next guest, Jeff Stevens, uh, who a search of the Guild shows over 60 publications. Um, I was told that while Jeff publishes on his own, uh, he is the master wrangler of group projects. <laughs> so, uh, Jeff, um, I want to ask you about the Otter Folk. Speaking of, of silly, <laughs> what, what is the Otter Folk? Uh, I saw the image um, on Drive Through RPG, and I thought, hey, I can write something about this. And so I created a playable <laughs> race. It is for free. You can go download it for free on the on the DMs Guild. And it just it was a fun little little uh, playable race that I came up with, and I I thought it was pretty neat. Right on. Uh, so, which of which of your many products is your favorite that you've published so far? Uh, probably the Villains and Lairs uh, supplement. That's a collection of roughly fifty villains. Um, each one has a, a color image, and then a background, the motives, current motives, flaws, uh, and ways that they can be used in a campaign. And it's uh, a collaboration project where I can't remember how many authors that I have that worked on it, but it was a lot. <laughs> and and did you uh, wrangle all of them to, on that product? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I had the idea. I went out and uh, asked writers to, if they would be interested in doing it, and most of them said yes. And um, 
it came out to be a brilliant po- product. It's over 2,000 downloads already. Right on. No, it's uh, and uh, last but certainly not least, we have uh, MT Black coming to us all the way from Australia in our, what I'm guessing is our most international episode ever. Uh, MT, I see over 65-ish publications on the DMs Guild, which means you're the winner. You've published the most. <laughs> <laughs> so, MT, rather than asking you about a specific product that stood out to me, one of the things that stood out to me looking at your catalog is that you also have several products published in German. How does that happen? Oh, uh, some, um, I think it was a year or two ago, someone mentioned there weren't a lot of German products and, and challenged folk to get German translations. Uh, I can't recall how I found the fellow who did the first German product uh, uh, translation for me, but it may have been on the fifth edition uh, Facebook group. And we did the translation of that, of Temple of the Nightbringers, my first adventure. Uh, that sold uh, really well, actually. That's kind of tracking toward a gold bestseller now after after 18 months on the Guild. And I, I've had a whole bunch of other um, ones translated into German since then. Probably haven't done quite as well, so the market maybe is not that um, not that uh, massive. But I'm, uh, yeah, bit by bit uh, getting translations done. And I have people approach me. Right on. You Very know, good. quite often offering to make translations. Yeah, that's great. And and I mean, I suppose that the market for German products on DMs Guild may not be great because there's just not a lot of products there besides yours, right? So, uh, you know, that's the question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I'm German and I'm looking for products, I probably don't go hang out in a place that barely uh, publishes anything in German, right? Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, we're still so, testing the size of the international market in yeah. these other languages. Well, and, and you're doing your part to, to, to provide some things to help draw, draw people who are uh, native to that language to bring them in, Absolutely. right? So that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so same question then for, for you, to, so we can all get to know you a little bit. Which of your products is your current favorite? Yeah, uh, maybe to cheat a little, I'll say probably the favorite project I've worked on was... Um, Descent into uh, Avernus, which was announced last week. So that was um, that was you know the most exciting thing I've worked on. Uh, of products I've published on the Guild, hard to pick a favourite. One I like a lot that I published um, last year was the Lich Queen's uh, Begotten, which was a Tier Three adventure. Mm. Um, and that just uh, I had a, a number of things I was trying to accomplish with that adventure in terms of show off the astral plane, etc. And I just felt I was really able to hit. Um, all the all the uh, right notes there, so I feel feel a lot of pride in that adventure. So when you describe it as a T three adventure, does that mean it's an Adventures League adventure specifically, or you just uh, use that format because people are familiar with it? Uh, a tier three. I'm, I mean, it's a th- for character uh, eleven to sixteen. Okay. Uh, it is Adventures League compatible as well. Though it got, okay. um, it got the tick, so you can use that in Adventures League. Right on. Very good. Uh, So that is our all-star panel for this episode. Uh, We're going to talk about how to publish, what the process is like, give some tips and tricks on how to do it better and more. But first, I want to mention our sponsor for this episode is Noble Knight. They are a game store that specializes in finding out-of-print products. My pick for this episode is the the Kobold Guide to Game Design Number 2, How to Pitch, Playtest, and Publish. If you are inspired by this episode and want to get out there and publish some things on your own, you could probably do worse than reading this collection of essays from people who have a lot of experience doing so. Uh, 
uh, and it's published by veterans from Cobalt Press uh, who've been in the industry for a long time. So have any of you ever read uh, the Cobalt Press to game design? Yeah, yeah, terrific uh, collection of essays. Yeah, I haven't read all of them, but the ones I've read have all been pretty fantastic, and they always bring in some some really top-notch people to, to, to write on things. So. so check that out over at noblenight.com, and make sure to tell them that the Tome Show sent you. Ah! Hey, it's me, Snark! I don't really like Noble Knights that much, but noblenight.com is okay by me. You know why? They got tons of products for me where I can just be hiding in dungeons and stuff like that. Also, it's it's really, really cool. I get to find all these bestiaries that I can fill my dungeon with and all kinds of goblin miniatures. So check out Noble Knight. They'll even buy old gaming products that you aren't using anymore, and they're awesome. NobleKnight.com. Make sure you tell them the Tome Show sent you. All right, so we are going to talk about publishing on the DMs Guild. We have a, a group of people here with a lot of experience publishing on the Guild, which is, is saying something for a, a medium of publication that's only been around for really a few years now, right? Mm-hmm. In 2016, yeah. Yeah, so it hasn't been too horribly long, uh, and yet, you know, if, it, if it's been around for three years, uh, some of you are publishing, like, 20 products a year (laughs) so uh you're keeping busy right you're doing a lot Um, so i guess my first question is is why like of all the places to publish (laughs) why do it here uh why not do it somewhere else what's the goal what do you uh, who wants to talk about that uh well if you want to if you want to write D &D, like real D &D, not fifth edition compatible um it's the only train leaving the station you have to be publishing on the dms guild so if you want to use all of the um ip that's been produced mm. over the years for D, uh, uh you have to publish on the dms guild it's the only place that licenses that so that's uh that's one big thing and for me that was a big appeal i want to write D. uh another reason why you would publish on the dms guild uh is to um you know potentially get noticed by Watsi. Uh, uh, more and more folk who've published um, on the Guild and who've kind of made their name uh, publishing on the, the Guild are getting um, starts writing for Adventurers League uh, or, as has happened in my case now, writing um, for Watsi for the hardcover, um, Watsi hardcovers. So uh, if you... And I know they're actively, um, they actively track products on the Guild. They track mm. authors. Uh, they're looking to develop a stable of authors. I, I think in the future this will become the main way through which they develop um, new writers. So uh, they're two pretty good reasons to publish on the Guild. Okay. When we talk about IP as well, it's not just, um, it's not just things like using all the creatures from the Monster Manual or the items from uh, the Dungeon Master's Guide. It also extends to settings as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Forgotten Realms is entirely open to us uh, on the DMs Guild, as is Eberron. Um, and also, uh, also, I think Ravenloft. Ravenloft, is. Yeah. 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 And Ravnica, too. Oh, is Ravnica yes. open there, too? Excellent. I believe yes. so, yeah. And, and I believe uh, there was a question out to some of the Watsi folks uh, a year or two ago about whether or not the 
the Forgotten Realms extended to some of the other settings that are on the same planet, like uh, Mastika or uh, Al-Kadim, and I believe the answer to that was yes, although I, yeah. there hasn't been a ton of For people sure. doing stuff with it, but you, but it's, it's available as well. Totally. Yeah. And also, I mean, to some extent, you can kind of dip in and make references to other things like uh, Spelljammer or Planescape, as long as you're careful in the way that you do it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, another reason to publish on the DNs Guild is I think it's the hottest market for D and D right now. Um, you know, there's a drive-through RPG where you can also publish Fifth Edition, but if you're going to go look for D and D content, I think more and more people are learning that the DMs Guild is the place to go. Um, there's a lot of new stuff being published out there, and there's a lot of great D and D content on that on that website. I think the more people, you know, there's there's millions of people that play D and D, but I'm not seeing that in the in the in my sales. You know, I'm not selling millions millions of units, but I think. Uh, <laughs> I think the more the as more people learn about it, they're going to go there and, and continue to shop. And uh, you know, I think I think MT and and, and Joshua can can uh, attest to this that sales numbers have increased every year on products mm-hmm. that we've already had out there. I mean, we've uh, yep. gone from low sales in 2016, um, we all you know where we were all just kind of pushing through to to get our our uh, make our money back to some really outstanding sales now. For sure, yeah. So, oh, absolutely. So, so is the opportunity to make money a significant enough that that's a reason to do it, or is it more to sort of sustain uh, a fun hobby and maybe get noticed to do bigger things? Uh, I think you can make money doing this. I will say that. Okay. Yeah. 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 Be- uh, uh, yeah. Probably, yeah, probably not enough to quit your day job, or <laughs> um, almost. <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, yeah. It's a um. Yeah, only a few people are probably doing doing those sort of numbers, um, uh, like really significant money. You've really got to invest some time. But I, I probably know, um, you know, a, a number of people who are, who are making prob- you know over twenty thousand dollars a year on DM skilled royalties. I know a few people who've done that uh, figure. So it's not a maybe not enough to quit your day job, but it's. Um, it's not. Uh, it's not pocket money either. But there's some supplemental there's, uh, income. There's some. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a good second income for uh, some people. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to do it full time, I mean, your your DMs Guild is going to be part of your revenue, and then I really think you're going to have to go mm-hmm. out and freelance right as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and also also consider a, a Kickstarter. I think once a year or twice a year um, to to try and you know build that customer base too. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yep. it's possible to do this. Full time, it's just going to take a lot of work, right? So, but I imagine, um, as as one of the two of you mentioned, that there's very few people sort of hitting those numbers. Do you think? Do, do we get the impression that most people are 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 coming in and having more of sort of a hobbyist experience, or do you think that the audience has or the the customer base has grown to a point that everybody's sort of uh, doing okay with this sort of thing? I think it's easier for people to make their money back than it was, Um, but there—I don't think there's—I don't know. I don't know everybody's numbers. Sure. Uh, I I know that we, you know, we consistently see people putting up the same person putting up new stuff all the time. So that makes me feel like they're um, they're happy with their success and and they keep building on their on their library of products. Uh, But but not not everybody can be in T. Right. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) 
Or, I'm trying. Or, or, He's got sixty some odd, and I'm at fifty seven, so I'm trying to get yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, James, who who used to he he arguably got his start here on the Tome Show, uh, it seems to be doing pretty well around there too. Mm-hmm. Oh, extremely well. Uh, yeah. yeah, and he's and he's this is what he's done three hard covers, I think now for Watsi. Ah, uh, four. Four. There you oh. go. Yeah. So he's. I would. He's, I'd yeah. say that I'm probably at the other end of the the spectrum on like a lower revenue. Um, okay. But actually, you've got to consider as well that um, by publishing on the guild and getting your name out there you'll find a lot of other work so i probably make more now writing freelance than i do off publishing on the guild mm. yeah. yeah i know you do a lot more freelance than i do so yeah i, t- I try yeah. to pack in as much as possible really. <laughs> that's quick money i mean you know when you're yeah, writing yeah. freelance you're making money right off the bat whereas you know publishing something you have to wait months and months if not years to make your money back and start making a profit yeah. so yeah and also the larger the back catalog you've got on the guild obviously the more the more ways in which you can make money. I'm, I mean, even my stuff from back when I started still mm. gets sales. So mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's got a long tail, I've found, the Guild stuff, especially if you're putting out new stuff so it's keeping your, your name front of mind. Mm. Totally. Excellent. So what are the disadvantages then on publishing on the Guild? Why might somebody want to publish elsewhere? If you want to do your own campaign setting for 5th edition, you have to publish elsewhere. You can't uh, start a set, new setting on the DMs Guild. Hmm. Yeah. And and same if you want to do your own rule set. If you don't want to do a 5th edition rule set, you want to use something else, uh, you'll have to publish elsewhere. Uh, and the other, the other main thing that people often bring up uh, is, you know, using the IP has a cost to it. So hmm. uh, the... Uh, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but I think um, one bookshelf, the publisher, take 30% and um, what's he take 20%. But there's some combination there. Right. But they take uh, 50% off the top, whereas if you publish on uh, Drive Through RPG, they just take 30% off, um, for example. So uh, there's a cost using that IP. Well worth it in my view. Uh, mm. But, you know, that that's obviously a barrier for some folk. Right. I no, I, I completely agree that it's well worth the the fifty percent royalty split. Okay. And um, there's something to be said too uh, for the fact that uh, yeah, you it's not like you can't do your own setting on DMs Guild. At least I don't think that's that's a hard and fast rule. But you're effectively kind of seeding your intellectual property at that point. You're kind of giving it to oh, yeah. the space, and so you wouldn't necessarily want to. Uh, likewise, you you won't want to like throw a monster in there if you ever wanted to use it anywhere else because like right, there's correct. kind of like a a no um, oh mm. what's the word, the phrase I'm trying to look for like a no comp- competition clause you don't want to take something yeah. you've done in the DM's mm. guild and then use it somewhere else because they wouldn't be kosher with that necessarily. That's really important actually um, when you part of the content agreement is that you're giving them an exclusive and irrevocable right to publish your content you mm-hmm. retain the IP to it uh, but you're not allowed to publish it anywhere else effectively mm-hmm. uh, so you really need to be thinking um, carefully about that and, and making sure you understand those uh, those conditions before you are published and there's knock-on effects with that as well in that you can't really integrate with Kickstarter and you're also not allowed to integrate with things like Patreon, or at least you have to be mm. very careful in the way in which you do so. Um, it's it's in, in some ways quite an isolated 
medium in that form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's think, and yeah. it's pretty reliant, I think, on on Watsi and One Bookshelf, who who basically own the format, right? Uh, oh yeah, they they own the market. So if they if they decide to to do something different in a year and and shut down the guild, then all of that stuff goes away, right? The community's gone, the revenue's gone. It's all it's sort of at their whim. They've been great for the last three years, but you never know what the future's going to hold. Yeah, very true. I, I guess that's true of any market. I mean, one bookshelf run drive through RPG as well, of course. You know, um, right. I, I doubt they're going to shut it down. I think they're doing pretty well out of it. But yeah, yeah, we are beholden to right. our platform owners, people like the Amazons of the world, etc. They're well, very powerful. And, and and I don't know what the agreement is on one bookshelf, but if you're publishing on your own, or even I think maybe through drive through RPG, you still own the rights to it. So if they shut down, you can always yeah. still publish it and right. sell it elsewhere. You know. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah, D- DMs Guild, you can, right? It's theirs forever. <laughs> so. Right. Correct. It's probably worth mentioning as well that uh, I, the reasons not to publish on the Guild will, well, and I guess the reasons to publish on the Guild, they'll vary a lot depending on what you're, um, what you're hoping to get out of it. Right. If you're hoping to make money, then the fact is it's, it's a competitive and crowded marketplace at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're just joining now, you're kind of at a, at a disadvantage of a of a year or two or three um in comparison with a lot of the other big names out there and also in that time the the quality of work both in terms of actual writing and design and in terms of kind of the aesthetics of layout and art has risen incredibly and mm-hmm. you know uh, what's the phrase of rising tide lifts all ships or something like that right um and that's that's true for uh, those of us who are already here <laughs> but for people trying to jump in and hoping yeah. to make a serious set the high bar. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's daunting at this point because in the early days, people were were throwing together, you know, clip art or the or the stuff that was provided and laying it out themselves and making PDFs, yeah. and they were a little bit ugly and whatever, but they worked, right? Um, yeah. And now people are hiring artists and and editors and and you know graphic designers to lay it out and doing all the stuff, and so they look really professional. But that yeah. means if I wanted to jump in now, like how much am I going to have to spend to to get all those people on board to put out my twenty five page PDF? You know, for sure. Um, and that's kind of why motive matters because if you're if you're hoping to make money, then you really need to match those criteria. I think. Mm-hmm. But if you are just doing it because hey, you've written something and you want people to see it, then yeah. that should that should never be a barrier to entry. Like stuff still gets found. I mean, first timers come on and they'll get a comic book article and they'll blow up overnight so you should never let it hold you back but i do think mm. it's worth considering why you're why are you publishing and and because of your motive where would be the suitable platform mm-hmm. yeah that's another big plus lately is um comic book comic book.com and geek tyrant have uh, all been doing um little inner uh, articles or really uh, release notes um and pushing those out on social media and that's really helped uh, spread the word of the guild um, and the name and certain products, so that's bringing more customers to the uh, DMs Guild, which helps everyone. That's great. And next week we're uh, we're we're uh, doing a whole episode of just reviewing, I think, four or five different products. So it's hard to to, to hit much, you know, with with four or five at a time, you know, but, right? Uh, with the, well, all the stuff that's published, but we we do what we can. Yeah, the reviews are kind of few and far between, really. Right. Yes, <laughs> but when whenever we we don't, I mean, we do this. We do these like little mini, re- you know, 10, 15 minute reviews mm. every, you know, two or three times a year. And every time we do, the our audience seems to really like them. So, Good. Um, so we, we keep going back to it when we've got a hold in the schedule. So, mm. 
Thank you. Yeah. Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, I know there's at least uh, uh, a couple of things, actually, that Jeff uh, just sent me uh, the other day um, that one of our reviewers is going to look at for next week. So, Cool. Yep. Uh, so, so I think we've thoroughly exhausted my questions on question number one. <laughs> uh, I want to understand the process a little bit now. So let's say I've got an, you know, I'm, I've never published on the guild before. Um, I've got an idea for a, a new build of Bard. Okay. Now what do I do? I've got an idea. How do I turn that into a product and start selling it? Yeah, I can I can pick up that and the guys jump in. Yeah. Um. So I so I just I just published a uh, a subclass a new a monk subclass actually. So the process I followed for that you had the idea, um, did my research on it. What do monks look like? What do monk subclasses look like? What's already out there? Um, put together a draft. Uh, then for subclasses, and I wouldn't do this for adventures, but for subclasses because they're hard. Um, I got in contact with a bunch of folk I know who are who are mechanically astute around 5e. Got some feedback. I published um, some of the information online in various forums to get some feedback, like Reddit and Facebook. Um, uh, put together the draft. Got some play testing done. Uh, then got uh, an editor to come in and um, uh, look over it. Then I uh, did the layout myself on that particular one and then publish. So idea, draft, playtest, edit, layout, publish. That's the that's the sequence. So, so There's art in there too somewhere. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess I said as part of our layout. Gotcha. Um, layout okay. and art, I guess, yeah. So, yeah, so you do, uh, I know some people hire editors as well. Um, yep. You know, so mm-hmm. you, so you hire editors. Yes. You said you did the Correct. layouts yourself, but you might also hire somebody to do layouts. You might hire somebody yeah. people to do art. Correct. So so you might how, even hire someone to write it. <laughs> you might. Correct. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm. So so idea to to uploading it to the guild. Um, how long of a process is that if you're doing all those things, hiring all those extra people and all that? <laughs> really it depends, it on, depends the on the project yeah Mm -hmm. the monk took a couple of months even though it was very short it was only five or six pages but that's because um uh because it's a mechanical thing i really wanted to get feedback and 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 had to keep refining it but uh back in the early days i could turn around um when i wasn't involving a ton of people i could turn around an adventure from idea to publication in um you know three to four weeks uh yeah, the more professional you go, it'll really depend upon the schedules, the people you're dealing with. Sure. Um, and well, Jeff and I were talking things. about. Yeah. Jeff and I were talking about this just uh, just a little while ago. Alex Clippinger just did his uh, holes and figureheads, um, in kind of uh, in accordance with the salt marsh that just came out, mm. and mm-hmm. he has must have just put that together in a day. Like or less mm-hmm. than it. in a couple of hours, I think he probably had the idea mm. and just kind of turned it around, wrote it, did the layout quickly, and put it straight on the guild. And then, kind of conversely, some people, you know, I know I know people who I've written work for two plus years ago who are still working on getting it onto the guild. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it really varies from project to project. Sure. But as long as you're paid ahead of time, you're okay with that, right, Josh? 
yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I've added in some clauses to my contract since then. <laughs> right. Well, and and that's that's a, a difference between publishing on your own and publishing with a third party, right? Is that if you're publishing with a third party, you're going to get paid, uh, but you might not you might not make as much money in the long run, right? We kind of talked about that earlier. Yeah, it, it really. I mean, there are so many ways to be a writer on the DMs Guild. Mm. If, like. It's one thing to kind of sit down and, and write your own stuff and just chuck it out there and, and see if anyone likes it. It's a totally different ballpark to write for other people. Okay. So, uh, first of all, does everybody have some more or less the same experience with the process that, that MT described? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, it, it maps out pretty well. Does everybody put their, their stuff through some rigorous playtesting? All no. the berries. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it does it all varies. I mean, I mean, I know that not everybody on the guild does, but every, in terms of our panel, do, do all of you, uh, at least when you're publishing on your own, do you do you go through? You try to make sure you do that playtesting piece. I like not to make sure. No. I like to make sure I've playtested everything at least once, but that could just be running it through with a home group. Okay. Yeah, and it's hard yeah. to. Part of me likes to call that sort of a, a run through more than a playtest, right? Because. Yeah, because yeah. obviously you know what you meant when you wrote it because you wrote it, so uh, yeah, sure. it might run different for other people. Yeah, look, when I got started, um, I like my first probably ten adventures I published without any playtesting at all, um, and in all, all honesty, um, I didn't even run through them myself. Okay, so I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say you absolutely must playtest, and those adventures are still uh, popular; they still work. Mm-hmm. Uh, Obviously, as, as just like things like layout and editing have uh, achieved a higher standard as we've gone on, I've become a bit more um, careful about playtesting, and I've got a fairly big group of people who um, I can reach out to who playtest my material. So uh, adventures, I'll cert- usually get um, four or five groups to playtest them. Uh, something like The Monk, I playtested uh, with my own group, but that was... Uh, that was mostly done in a Discord channel um, offline rather than we just got together. We just basically hit all the different feature levels and then just ran through fights so I could see uh, how it was all holding up. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's the sort of uh, play testing. Uh, but other products have gone out. Um, uh, yeah, it depends. I've just published The Art of War. That's not really, you know, for Dean. D play is not really a product you can play test. Um, it's, a, it's based on experience, but it's right. yeah, sure. With okay. my with my Savage Encounters books, also you know I have a lot of people writing for me. When I get mm. those from them, I'll read over them and do one edit, and then I'll send it to another editor who is also well versed in Five E, and we'll, we'll you know in those cases we'll catch a lot of things to clean it up before it it actually gets published. Right. But not every one of those is play tested. I know some of the writers mm. do play test them before they submit them to me. Uh, but everything, um, you know, reads well, looks like it's going to work well when it, when it's published. Yeah. I think, um, something that we should mention as well, if just quickly is, uh, for me, at least there's a big element of kind of fake it till you make it. So (laughs) I would, did you ever do the assignment at school where, um, you have to read a book and then write the next chapter of the book? No. I, I have not, but I, but I like the idea. <laughs> okay, I, well, I th- maybe I don't know. Maybe it's a, a different, a British thing or whatever. It probably is, yeah. 
you could there would be to help you write in a certain style it's it's a method that can help you write in a style because you have to adopt the the kind of inflections that the author would use in mm. their in writing you know um and i think you can do exactly the same thing really here with Watsy products if you're writing a subclass you should read all the way through your player's handbook and then kind of essentially copy the framework and mm -hmm. i do the exact same thing with adventures you know i'll check i'll check the most recent publication i'll see how they've laid things out um and i'll just do the same until it clicks basically right and i imagine how much time you have to to run things through uh play testing or formatting or language and all that can also come down to the nature of the product and and how and with whom you're publishing right if you've got a deadline because it's being published by somebody else or organized mm -hmm. by somebody else or whatever well I, I i ran out of time i didn't get to run all the play tests i wanted right and so you you just send it along because you have to right for um, sure but if you if it's if it's your own you got all the time you, you in the world you want so you can you know, keep running it over and over again if you want to. Right. I'm in the middle of writing a really, a really long campaign. It's kind of uh, first to about twelfth level, um, and with something like that, there's just no way I could get it play tested in any kind of reasonable time. Right. If I sent that out to groups, I probably wouldn't see any results back for at least a year, if not two. Um, so, if it was something like that, the main encounters from it, I will play test. But in terms of running people through the entire thing, I mean, it's taken me about a year to get halfway through it myself. Mm. So. so what I'm hearing is uh, maybe I don't need to be publishing on DMs Guild, but I need to form an organization that offers for a price to play test everybody's stuff and then send feedback. <laughs> I'll just have a, stable, I'll have a stable of 100 people that are already NDA'd. Uh, and and you come to me, you pay a certain amount, and we run it, and, and I send it out, and I give you the feedback, you know. Yeah, play chess it, could be a market for that. It, it could, could be. be it could be. I don't know. I, I would, yeah, I'd take you up on that. I mean, I don't know that I have the time to do that because I'm getting ready to start a new job and everything. But you know, it's a great idea. Yeah, um, entrepreneurs. That's right. So, uh, so you've got the product. You've written it. You've you've paid somebody for art. You've paid somebody for layout. You've play tested or not. You've got it all laid out and 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 you've got a PDF ready to go. Um, then I assume if you have an account with DMs Guild, there is a way in there to sort of tell them you want to start selling things. You yeah, just, you just upload the product. You can just go just go anybody can just go in and straight in and just upload it, huh? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then and then there's I imagine there's fields to fill out with the description and all that. Exactly. And yes. then one of the decisions that everybody who's publishing uh, on the guild, at least if they're publishing it on their own, is um, how much do you charge then? Because you can literally go from zero to to infinite, uh, so far as I can tell, right? <laughs> uh, and as we've discussed, like the cost, the price that you're putting into it, the the effort and the money that you're putting into it before you ever even publish it. Um, has grown, right? Because you're hiring artists now. You're you're hiring people to do layouts and editing and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so how do you decide what, how you, how much you're going to charge for these products? Well, yeah, therein lies the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a fine line as to what's too much and what's not enough. Um, you know, a, a basic rule of thumb for the past couple of years had been roughly ten cents a page. Um, and add maybe fifty cents to a dollar to that. So you know, a thirty thirty page product is going to be three dollars to four dollars to um, is the price point. Uh, I, th we're, I think we've been moving up from that, which is I think is good. 
um, because a lot of money does go into some of this, a lot of time that people don't actually consider, you know, be to be money. Uh, but if you're putting, you know, 20 hours a week developing something, uh, it takes you three weeks to do it. That's 60 hours time right in. Um, I personally don't count my time when I go to price it, but I do consider the way it looks, um, the content, and I, what it, what I think it'll bring to the table. And you know, the, that price point, I try. I'm still trying to keep it around 10 cents, maybe a little higher a page. Uh, so a 90 page product's going to run me 9.95 on the on the guild. Um, I think that's a fair price. I think I could probably go higher if I wanted to, but you know, that's that that's that line. Do I want to cross that and maybe lose some sales, uh, lose some customers right. because I think, well, he's charging too much, you know. Well, and when there's a lot of things on the the guild that are you know a dollar or two dollars or five dollars or whatever, hmm. um, you know those those. Those ten dollar or twenty dollar products kind of stand out, don't they? They do, and maybe those one dollars and two dollars say, "Well, these aren't really worth that much." You know, how how do people value what's out there? Right, and I guess that's that that's the where I'm heading with that question is, do you think the audience um, is valuing the products in the same way you are? Because I hear a lot of people complaining about anything that goes over you know five dollars, um, but it. As you've described thoroughly at this point, like clearly it's worth it because you're putting a lot of money into it to make that happen. But, mm-hmm. but do you hear that from from pe- potential customers that they're not interested in spending a certain amount of money or whatever? I haven't seen that much anymore. I know back in 2016 we were seeing that a lot. I think uh, people were complaining about the pricing um, if it was over a dollar or two dollars. You know, um, now I'm not I'm not getting I'm not seeing many people complain about the price. Okay. Yeah, I've had the same experience. I think there were more complaints back in 2016, um, especially when D&D Wiki was kind of um, uh, uh, doing a lot of stuff. People would say, mm. this is just homebrew. Why do I have to pay for it? It should all be free. Mm. Um, yada, yada, yada. I don't, I don't hear as much of that um, anymore. I think the audience has uh, uh, been educated uh, that, you know, these things cost money to produce. They take time. That artists deserve to be compensated for their effort. So uh, I think that's getting better. I think, it, in, and just to add to everything, I agree with what the guys have said. Um, the other thing to do when you're trying to price your product is just look at similar products that are selling. Um, you know, you've got a ten-page product that's got full-color interiors and a full-color cover, whatever. Um, We'll have a look at similar products that are that have actually sold well, and you look at three or four of those. You'll probably start to get an idea of what the current market price is, because ultimately the market drives the um, the price of these products. Mm-hmm. It's no good putting a, a price on that if no one pays it. Um, I think it's probably worth mentioning as well that I I think probably the kind of uh, people that were upset in the early years about having to pay you know one dollar two dollar for a 30 page mm. adventure are actually not the people who would be buying anything anyway Correct. Um, you True. i don't think i've ever seen anything <laughs> actually on the guild saying oh this was a great adventure but to be honest it should have been two dollars cheaper or this was an amazing adventure it should have been five dollars more that kind of i've never seen that sort of rhetoric on the guild so i don't i'm not really sure those complaints were ever from the actual mm. market. Oh, okay. Ishmael, you had a thought? Yeah, if I could add two really quick things. Uh, number one, I remember that at the advent of the DMs Guild, uh, there was a big temptation by people who are putting out things to put them out for free. 
because the, the, uh, pay, the pay what you want model, what you want. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there was a, there was a huge, it was, it was kind of a big, uh, point of contention because there were a lot of people are like, no, I'm going to make more sales this way. It's going to be seen by more people. And then when I do more stuff, then they'll buy it. And that might've been true at that time, but I think we've kind of moved away from that model. Uh, wizards of the coast themselves had said, we're going to, we're going to pay more attention to people who are putting a price on their, on their, uh, work because they value it more. Mm. Uh, and I think that's born, that's born true. Uh, but the second thing that I wanted to mention is that it's interesting we're talking about the pricing model right now because uh, there's a big the sale going on uh, all the month mm. of May on basically everything D&D. Mm. Uh, and I think that is a really interesting thing. It's kind of that digital model. You mm. see it with Steam. You see it with other kind of di- digital uh, storefronts where, um, yes, you can charge $5, $10 for something that is of the appropriate length. Uh, but uh, even just going back to the products I've done through Fat Goblin, um, every, any kind of sale will drive more products sold, more units sold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that uh, even if you do value your work, even if you put a fair price, it's always good for people to know, hey, if I wait, if I, if I just uh, bide my time, I might be able to get this for a couple bucks cheaper. And that's going to make people, it's the psychology of, of uh, sales it's going to uh, get people to really kind of uh, draw towards your products if you're, if you're savvy with that. So on, the, on these big, like, site-wide sales, is that, is that one bookshelf sort of reducing their cut? No. No, okay. no it takes it off everyone. It takes it off everyone, um, okay. But they're great. I love, love sales, and I'm sure the guys do too. It's, Certainly. Um, I always make um, tons more money when, when a product's on sale. So I'm actually uh, kind of mixed, to be honest. Oh, really? Okay. I don't, only because, um, I, as far as I'm aware, as creators, we've got no control over it. No, we don't. So it, yeah, that's what I was wondering sale, about. It's just weird, really. I think. I mean, I know we've signed over. You know, we've signed over the product to the site, <laughs> um, but it would be nice to be given a little bit of a warning, uh, and also I think it would be nice to be able to set products aside as saying no i don't ever want this to go on sale because for example again this massive campaign i'm writing it's probably going to retail for 40 maybe 50 bucks and and frankly i don't want to sell it for any less and i can respect that i mean yeah. that, that makes so sense to me. yeah so so there's no way for you to to sort of opt out of when they're doing sales but it would be nice if they would because you know, you created it, and it, it. You know, if they're if they suddenly decide that you've you've decided on what you think the price is, and they've suddenly mm-hmm. decided no, we're going to sell it for this, they can just do that, and that cuts into your your profits. Then exactly, it's so, the principle yeah. of it more than more yeah. than anything else. There's probably only yeah. one product I'd do that for, but in yeah. principle, yeah, and the timing yeah. can be important too, uh, because it, let's say you put it out tomorrow, uh, and then they get a week long sale right after you put it out that's going to eat into the most important uh oh, moment yeah. of your sales probably right. um, actually i don't uh, think it would i don't think it would qualify for the sale because i think a product has to be up 30 days before they'll actually put a sale uh, price on it oh i, I didn't good. know that yeah yeah there, there's probably a couple of things there um jeff's exactly right they don't put products that have just been released for sale for that reason to respect that kind of initial surge um the only times they have contacted me occasionally for permission to include in the sale, but mm. that's only when they're doing a deep discount. 
So mm. like um, an 80% off sort of a thing, which are very occasionally they'll do really deep discount ones. Yeah. Um, uh, otherwise, if it's just between 10 and 20% off, uh, they basically reserve the right to do that as they see fit. Uh, I've never I've never lost money because of a sale. Um, most times I've made, um, whenever there's a sale on and my products are included, I'm delighted because I know I'm going to make more money that week. <laughs> so, uh, But I understand Josh's point too. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we have a, a range of experiences here on the panel in terms of um, – publishing on your own or publishing in a group, whether it be a third party or with the adepts. How many of you are adepts? Uh, just myself. Okay. Um, so, so you've got some, some different, but, but even if you're not, you know, uh, Jeff over here has been publishing with, with other people on a bunch of different stuff, right? And you've been, uh, I believe it was Ginny Loveday who told me you were the master wrangler of groups, right? <laughs> so, uh, I, I try. Yeah. So, so. And then Josh has Josh has uh, developed some collaborations too. And, mm-hmm. uh, actually, all three of us have worked together at one point or another. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I noticed that when I was going through your catalogs, I'm like, hey, some of these things are showing up on every list, you know? So, yep. yeah. Uh, there's a lot of <laughs> oh, yeah. cross contamination uh, out there. Um, but so, so I, I'm curious about the difference, though. How do I? How do you? What's the difference between publishing on your own and publishing with other people? And and all how how does all that work? Jeff, you'd be the best to answer this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, my, my situation, I, I do things a little bit differently than some of the other collaborators. Uh, there are The guild offers the uh, ability to split royalties. So a lot of those collaborations are um, uh, where everybody has chipped in to do something, either, either writing, layout, editing, uh, art. Uh, maybe they put money into the whole project and, mm-hmm. and they're splitting royalties from the beginning and they all start making money back. Uh, with mine, uh, I typically pay up front for the writing, for the art, and everything. Uh, I want to make sure my writers are paid in case the project is a is a bust, which I've had a couple of those. Um, and so I want all the uh, risk to be on me. So I pay for everything up front, and then I start um, earning money the, the day it goes up for sale, but everybody's already been paid. There's a couple situations where I've offered royalty splits. Uh, those, those have worked out really well, for, I think, for the writers. Uh, but just you know, forward thinking um, that kind of limits what I might be able to do with that project in the uh, in the future. Um, also thinking about you know long term, uh, you know what happens if I pass away? What happens you know if my executor comes in or my beneficiary comes in and, and takes those down? Those writers are no longer making money. Um, it, they don't know the the uh, the oral arrangement that we've made between each other. Um, and so, you know, that's just one aspect that I, I have taken into consideration myself. Okay, so for you, it, it tends to be you 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 basically act as a third party publisher, where you're you're hiring them as freelancers. You're paying them up front for for the most part, um, and that, but then you're taking all the royalties off of sales. Correct. Okay. Uh, what about for other people in terms of uh, you know Je- Jeff's talking about sort of from the the publisher side of it. Um, but a lot of you have written for uh, products with other people. How does how does how does that function differently than if you're doing it on your own? Yeah, my experience is the um, you know it obviously publishing a group adds in a, a great deal of extra complexity from when you're um, publishing uh, just on your own. 
the benefit obviously is you you get a much bigger product with a, with a higher price point so it's more likely to chart uh, and you obviously get the cross-pollination of ideas uh, you know and, and you know it's the one plus one is greater than um, you know greater than uh, two mm-hmm. uh, sort of an idea so it's uh, you know the rewards are potentially um, very high the risks are, are fairly high as well I um, just in terms of just probably most projects I've worked on, there's someone who's, you know, either dropped out or who's, who's um, come in extremely late due to, you know, sometimes due to bad management on their own part, sometimes due to unavoidable life circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, every collaborator you introduce into a project introduces um, a risk of things going late. And I know... And, and I know too, because Jeff and I know each other very well, um, and Josh as well. Um, I know some of those projects Jeff has published this year has been working on for a long time, um, and part of that is waiting for, you know, uh, uh, people who've said we'll deliver by this date or something has changed, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Et so you're, uh, yeah. you've got to balance all of those things up when you introduce other people into the process. And now you understand all those years that I've been talking to to third party publishers and whatever, and they, you know, or people or Watsi about freelancing and whatever. Mm-hmm. How they always say, everybody I've ever talked to always says the number one rule is is hit your deadlines, right? <laughs> uh, hit your deadlines or. Um, be vocal about why you're running late, right. you know. So, so uh, I mean, but I mean, you know, you've you've had that experience with people dragging a product behind. Uh, you know, you probably don't sign up to to work on a project with them in the future. Totally. Ah, uh, right. correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 And it's, it also uh, goes. Uh, yeah. It also goes both ways, right? Because, like I mentioned earlier, there's stuff that I've written for other people that's still not published. So I've started now adding in a clause to my writing contract saying. If you don't publish this within 12 months of me finishing writing it for you, mm. I regain the rights to publish it myself. Right on. Because otherwise, you know, yeah. you could, especially if it's a revenue split, you could write something and see nothing from it for one, two, you know, however, however long it drags on for. Right. Um, so you do have to be, you do have to be a bit, a bit careful at times, especially if you're going in as a writer. I think it's, it's possibly safer as a, uh, publisher. Man, I needed to talk to you guys years ago. I, I wrote a, a chapter for a book for a company uh, years ago. They asked me to, d- to do this. It was kind of like the Kobold Guides. It, was, you know, it wasn't them, but um, it was a whole collection of essays, and they had all these people with it. And I'm like, yeah, I was super excited. And so I signed the contract. I wrote the thing. And then the company got sold to another company, and the other company's like, oh, no, we're totally going to do this. And then they never did. And it's like, oh, what did I do all that for? You know? Right. Yeah. It's, it's still oh, sitting on a, in a folder somewhere, but I can't do anything with it because they own it. So. Yeah, I love hardware as well. (laughs) I think a lot of people have been in a situation at least similar to that. Like, you do, yeah, you've got to be very uh, cognizant about how you write your contract. And, Mm. you know, when when I'm working for someone like Jeff, we don't really do a contract that frequently. I mean, we might might occasionally do, write something up quickly uh, just so that we've got documentation of it. But it's rarely a serious contract, and that's the same with some of the other people that I've worked with on multiple occasions. But definitely, if it's a new person coming in saying, I'm looking to hire an adventure writer, I, I will provide a contract nowadays. Yeah. Right, because, because you don't know their background. You don't know if this exactly. is just some whim, whimsical idea that they've come up with, yeah. and, hey, we're going to do this, and it's going to be great, and um, then you write it, and then you never hear from them again. So. Right. Yep. So we, I think we've reached the the point in the episode where I want to ask. Uh, 
so let's say I, I'm, I'm going to start publishing stuff on DMs Guild. Uh, what are your tips? What are your tricks? What, do you, what advice would you give me uh, or to our audience? Because I definitely don't have time to jump into it at this point. But uh, what, what, what kind of advice would you give to people who are just starting off? What are the tips and tricks to doing it well? MT? Yeah, I've got, <laughs> I've got a few things. I, I say these, um, I get asked this a lot, so I do have a bit of a standard answer. But um, the first thing, that there's a Facebook group called the DMs Guild Creators Circle. So you absolutely should join that group you'll get a there's a lot of people there who will help you out uh and you know you'll, you'll find people who can uh do art and layout etc etc you can just ask advice so join that group uh after that um there are probably four things i say folks should do um one is learn to write that sounds a, a bit facetious but be you know, a lot of folk have great ideas and don't yet have the ability to execute those ideas. Mm. So you really want to make sure you've um, learned, mastered that basic art of, uh, of writing. And there's a certain number of words you just kind of have to write as part of your apprenticeship to get there. But just be just be aware that you really need to treat that, not just game design as a skill, but writing as a skill as well that you'll need to work on. Um, the second one I say is read the classics. In our case... Um, you know, if you're writing it, read some of the great adventures from the past. Read some of the great modern adventures that are rated well. So get familiar with what you're trying to actually publish, mm -hmm. um, you know, the field you're trying to publish in. Um, I spend a lot of time looking at um, looking at old adventures. Uh, the next thing I suggest to people is use tools. There's actually a lot of tools out there that will help you um, uh, in terms of RPG design. You mentioned the Kobold... Um, uh, adventure design books before there's a lot of stuff in that genre out there and it's um really useful the first couple of things i wrote i wasn't really aware of that whole genre of tools to help you and they actually make a great difference and will help you make better products so use tools and my last bit of advice which is something that worked for me others take a different approach but i suggest you start small and then publish a lot um i, f I find it heartbreaking where i see someone who's spent two years or a year working on this monster product which is their very first thing they've ever done and then they publish it and it's 120 pages and then it just goes down the tube and they're mm. like yeah what the hell do i do now it's not selling help right they're completely uh, dispirited and yeah and, and and i suggest you know start with a five or ten page product it's probably not going to chart but you will get some feedback you will learn and now other people have done it differently and have had great success, but I, I suspect you're much better off having that really short feedback cycle, mm -hmm. doing something small, getting it out there, uh, then learning and, and, and moving on. Do you recommend trying to start with like Adventures League adventures? Uh, I know at one time that was a, a, an in, right, for getting into writing these things. Is that, is that still work? Or? Well, you need to... Uh, the Adventurers League need to commission you to do a like a I formal see. Adventurers League um, adventure. Uh, you can write for conventions, who then get like a basically Adventurers League compatible mm -hmm. through the the CCC program as well. Um, but again, they have to invite you, and usually these days they'll say, "Well, show me three or four things you've already published." Okay. So it's almost like the expectation is that you've done a bit of self-publishing yeah. rather than just showing up and saying, "Hey." I think D I think DMs Guild has sort of flipped that expectation. It used to be that DMs Guild was like thirsty for people to come write for them, and um, that was a, that was the the on ramp, right? But it sounds like the DMs Guild has changed that expectation. 
Oh, well, I, if you're talking about Adventurers League, there, there's only ever been a fairly limited number of spots to um to, sure. to publish. Like, they, they do a... So, uh, yeah, I'm, I can't really speak about what used to happen pre-DM skill <laughs> sure. there, to be honest. Okay. Quite frankly, uh, I find my non-Adventurers League content to sell better than my Adventurers League content does. Mm. Um, I think there's just more non-Adventurers League players out there that are looking, or DMs that are looking for stuff than there are Adventurers League. Um, it's great to be on both both sides of it, uh, to write for both of them. You learn different things writing for your, for Adventurers League and, and just community content. Um, it's a great opportunity if anybody gets it. I, I still write for Adventurers League also, um, but I, I, I find my non-Adventures League stuff sells better. Mm-hmm. So, so don't think that you have to write Adventures League before you can publish. Great. Other tips? Um, develop a look, I think. Uh, something that's going to make you stand out from your um, uh, from yeah. other products. Don't make it look like the everyone else's product. You know, that If that's just the font you use or the layout you use on your cover, um, I think that's just going to help you be you and not, not mix in with other, other products. You you mean uh, like not using the same stock art? Well, no, I don't think that. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't. Yes and no. I mean, I don't use. I've used a lot of stock art recently with my villains projects, just because I I provided those in order for the writer to get an inspiration to write about. Um, but I, I usually typically always commission a cover. Uh, but necessarily, what your trade dress is that what you've always talked about, MT? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think that is just. Oh, sorry, I don't know if you're passing the ball to me there, Jeff, or not. But well, yeah, you, I mean, go ahead. I, I was just saying. I mean, this it's developing a brand. You know, yeah, it's trade dress, and developing a brand so that um, you know people do start to follow you, and that that's something I worked on very hard in the first couple of years was, you know, having my name in the same place, looking kind of the same, um, and developing, um, yeah, that brand on social media as well uh, uh, so that you start to develop an audience. And that and that's the way you'll sell products in the long run. Maybe you'll get struck by lightning with your first product because it's just so amazing and, and scratches an itch. But uh, I think for most of us here, we've developed an audience as the years have gone on. And there are people who see now see our products and say, okay, well, I like I like the stuff you've done. I want to, uh, you know, I want to pick that up. Yeah. And that takes a while to develop that audience too. I mean, if you're a brand new writer and you're going to come in there and, um, you know, put something down, don't be, um, you know, uh, I don't, I can't think of the word I want to say. Um, don't take it negatively that if it's not selling, because there are a lot of products out there that hit the market every day. Um, one of yeah. the, one of the worst things is to see, you know, place a place a $20 product on the DMs Guild that you've worked on so hard, you've got $3,000 invested in it, and then to have 19 other new products come right in and sweep you out of the newest titles. <laughs> <list. laughs> yeah, that's, that's just one of the worst things ever. Yep. Yeah. So, so what can you do to stand out then? But, I mean, you talked about having this look and, and building up and whatever, but if you've got 19 products that come out the same day or right after you, uh, what do you do to get yours uh, you know, to show up on the list? I think you interact with the community, social media, um, uh, work, talk to other writers, um, uh, engage with them, engage with the community, uh, put out Twitter ads, Facebook ads, uh, get on Reddit and, pub- and uh, promote it there, although that's not always accepted within the community. <laughs> um, 
as I found out this morning. Oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> um, giveaway dice, that's a big one. Giveaway dice? Yeah, oh, yes. yeah giveaway, that's anything. true. Yeah, yeah, a lot giveaways. of people on Twitter will do, they'll, they'll just like give away a set of dice, and you know, that's like, I don't know. Mm. 10 to 20 bucks, depending on how nice the dice are, but like you just do a giveaway on Twitter and you'll get at least if you're right a decent it, amount yeah. of exposure. A bunch yeah. of people talking about it. and Build yeah. your followers on Twitter. <laughs> do you do you have places where you tend to send like review copies to try to get people to pay attention? or? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, always, I mean, you always want comicbook.com to do a review. Sure. And that's a, that's mm. a great piece for you. Um, uh, there are some other reviewers that I've I've reached out to before, uh, podcasts, um, uh, website. Uh, you know, I've I've worked with a couple of people to you know run banner ads on their websites to try and mm-hmm. get link clicks or you know new customers. You know, there's just all little kinds of things all kinds you can of things, try yeah. and do to to make. Um, it's just online marketing in general. Just just fo- sending it to this place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right yeah. On. Um, Ashley May actually put together a um, a document about how to promote DMs Guild products, mm. which you can find. Um, it's it's linked in the uh, DMs Guild Creator Circle, but it's about seven or eight pages that covers the basics, all this sort of stuff. Has a Excellent. list of reviewers, etc. In terms of so that's promoting. In terms of standing up in the crowd, if I can just say, I think you want to do two things. Um, well, that'll make you stand out from 95% of, um, uh, of what's out there. If your product is well edited and if your product is well laid out, just well laid out, not even fancy layout, just mm. well laid out and well edited, you are probably ahead of 95% mm-hmm. of the stuff that's released there every day. Uh, now, to get, to get that done, you will either need money or time. You'll either need money to pay someone else or you'll need the time right. to learn all of those skills to put them in there. But in all honesty, good editing um, and good uh, layout will actually put you in the top 5% immediately. Uh, mm. And then it will come down to the content uh, and some of the other pizzazz, the marketing, etc. Yeah, uh, it, It's worth pointing out. I can anecdotally speak to that because as a, as a customer and not somebody who publishes on DMs Guild, uh, one of the things I always look at first when I'm l- looking at a preview or when I've just b- bought something, whatever, one of the first things I look at is the credits page. And it's if it's just the same person five different times, um, mm. th- then then I start questioning, okay, well, how that you know, this person might be brilliant, I don't know, but it, you know how much is going to be you know it's not play tested it's not edited it's you know nobody else necessarily really looked at it i don't know what's going on like yep. you know the play testing the editing that's the stuff i look at more more so, like if the art's not there like that makes it mm. look nice but i can get past that real real fast if the content's good um mm. but that's that's my that's what i do <laughs> when i'm looking at stuff mm. so. I'd also say reach out to people because I'm sure I'm not the only person doing this, but I run a sort of mentoring scheme as well, where for a very small cut of the revenue, I'll kind of talk you through the process from start to finish Mm. uh, and help with whatever I can, whether it's layout, editing, et cetera. And I I can't be the only person doing that. So I think if you, if you know creators that you, whose work you enjoy and whose kind of writing you respect if you reach out to them i'm i'm sure that they'd be more than happy to kind of talk you through the process right on so i I guess my last question because we're we're over an hour at this point and i'm sure um some of you like say joshua who's it's like two in the morning for you (laughs) are ready for bed right so um 
my last question then is 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 similar in terms of advice and whatever, but I want you to give advice to yourself. If you could go back to before you published your first product, what would you tell yourself to do differently? You know, what mistakes did you make that you would try to correct ahead of time or what have you? Uh, and let's go through everybody. Let's start with Ishmael. What, what advice would you give yourself? I, I would have started uh, publishing more content on the uh, DMs Guild much sooner. Um, I've published a lot of things at this point, but the, obviously the Aurora's catalogs are the first ones to come out. Um, so I think I would have been, uh, le- I would have told myself to be less nervous about it um, and less uh, worried about uh, any consequences I might have built up in my brain because there really weren't as many as I thought there were. So, so your advice is, is stop hesitating and just get out there and do it. Yep. Okay. That's good advice. Uh, <laughs> uh, MT, what advice would you give yourself? Uh, you you, cer- well, you certainly say, learned some things over the years, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think if I had to give one piece of advice or, or one learning, I'd just tell myself that 90% of this game is perseverance. That's, that's what I've learned. The reason mm. I'm still here and the reason Jeff's still here and Josh is still here, um, and we were all doing stuff three years ago, where the guys who've kept doing it for the last three years. I've seen a lot of talented folk who've given up and yeah. they're the ones not here. The, 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 the folk who are still publishing and who are doing well are the folk who've actually just stuck with it. And you'll, in, if you just keep writing and publishing, you will get better at it. It's inevitable. So it, it, 90% is perseverance. It really is. Really okay. is. Uh, Joshua, what about you? What advice would you give yourself? Um, this is going to be a bit repetitive from what we said <laughs> earlier, uh, but hire an editor. <laughs> I think uh, even yep. for your even for your first product, I mean, I agree with MT. Uh, start small, probably, and if you've just got something that's ten pages long, I'm sure you could find someone to just take a look at that for free, even if or or for two two dollars. Do you know what I mean? I would do that for a newbie, um, and just it does it does make all the difference because not only will they catch spelling mistakes and grammatical errors but they will also improve your work through their knowledge mm-hmm. excellent uh and jeff i think that you're the 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 we saved the best for last what advice would you no, give no. yourself um no pressure uh, the, no this was hard to accept the in the first couple rounds but um accept negative feedback as a learning process or as a learning opportunity um, reviews feedback criticism that type of thing you know don't let it hurt your feelings learn from that um, uh, and, and do the next one better you know just keep uh, expanding on what you know what you've learned make everything better every time you know with every product I keep I learn something new every time I produce I produce something or publish something um, so just keep mm-hmm. going with that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, no. I it, interestingly enough, uh, I've spent the last several months uh, writing a dissertation for a PhD, and and a lot of this advice applies there as well. So <laughs> 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 there's there, there's maybe not that big of a difference between being a, a PhD and publishing on the on the guild, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, then I'm going to go ahead and call that the end of the episode. I'm sure we could continue to to talk all all. Well, all morning, I guess, for some of you. Uh, <laughs> um, but it, but ultimately, I record in my bedroom, and my wife, my wife is going to want to go to bed sometime. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to call that the end of the episode. I want to send say thank you to uh, Noble Knight, our sponsor, but I also want to thank all of our guests. Uh, Jeff, where can people find you if they want to find you on the internet? 
I am most active on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at uh, J Corvin Stevens. That's J C O R V I N Stevens with a V. Um, and on Facebook, and then on the DMs Guild under Jeff C Stevens. All right, excellent. And MT Black, where can people people find you? Uh, Twitter's the best place. MT Black two five six seven. That's MT Black two five six seven. And that's MT spelled out, not like empty, like there's nothing there. No, okay. no, it's MT. Yep. Excellent. Uh, and Ishmael, what about you? Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, uh, people can generally find me uh, uh, through my alias, which is uh, King Lorthorn or Elven Wizard King. Just three words I picked to string together that people can spell. Um, but uh, I'm on Twitter mostly under Elven Wizard King. Excellent. Uh, and regularly here on the Tome Show as well. So. Correct. Yes. <laughs> uh, and Joshua, what about you? Where sh- where should people go if they want to to find pick your brain and find out more about what you're doing? Uh, like everyone, I'm probably most active on Twitter, but I've also got uh, Facebook, WordPress, Twitch, uh, Patreon, you name it, and I'm JVC Parry everywhere. Excellent. Uh, and of course, all of you are also can also be found at the DMs Guild. So people should go there and look up all of your names and and see the impressive library of things that you've published. So. And use Time Show affiliate links, eh? Uh, and <laughs> I was, yeah, I was just going to say that. And while you're there, you should use Tome Show affiliate links. You can get the DMs Guild or Amazon through our website at thetomeshow.com, uh, and you get the exact same experience. And we get a little, we get a, 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 I think we get like a small percentage. It's between one and like three or four percent. So, um, but hey, it, it helps us out, and I try to share that that uh, money around to the other contributors to the show. Uh, you can also support us directly at patreon.com slash the tome show i want to thank particularly our new patrons dm jazzy hands and i've been looking forward to to saying dm jazzy hands because i'm doing jazz hands as i say it i don't know if you can if you can say the name without doing jazz hands um i also want to thank ian becker uh who joins the likes of jill sanders leonard pelche jeremiah mccoy and doug palmer as patrons at the tome at patreon.com slash the tome show if you want to get a hold of me, you can email thetomeshow at gmail.com. You can call the, the voicemail at 919-BizTome. That's 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. You can find me on Twitter. I am at S-Q-U-A-C-H, at Squash. And uh, I also run at the Tome Show. So that has been episode 319, uh, where we had an idea and just went out and did it ourselves as we discussed publishing on the DMs Guild in this episode of... I'm on the wall.